they go on social media to play Farmville or to see pictures of funny cats. <laughs> they don't want to see a press release about your new line of ball bearing. <laughs> That's just not interesting to them. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, welcome back. You are tuned into episode number 18 of the Traffic Jam Podcast, the weekly podcast show where you learn how to build and grow a profitable audience for your website. Yet again, it's been another busy week here at Traffic Jam HQ. And depending on when you're listening to this show and where you listen to it, you may find that Traffic Jam has a new home. Now, until this point, you will, of course, find all of the episodes posted over at trafficjamcast.com. However, depending on when you're listening to this, you may find that those episodes now appear at veravo.com. Now, veravo.com is the relatively new hub site, if you like, where I post the majority of my traffic tips and training pretty much on a daily basis. Now, we've made the move to put Traffic Jam onto veravo.com really from the point of view of simplification. And there's a, a real lesson in that. It's much easier to manage one site than it is two. But also just to give you, the listener, the opportunity to find other tips and training that may be helpful to your own business. So from this point forward, to find all episodes, go to veravo.com. However, if you do go to trafficjamcast.com, you will be directed to the new place on the Veravo website and you will be able to get all of the past episodes really, really easily. Trafficjamcast.com. Now, it's also been a busy week this week lining up the next set of interviews for upcoming shows. And I've got to say, we've got some pretty cool guests lined up in the next few weeks. A couple of those guests I really wanted on the show for some time now, but for whatever reason, we've just not been able to align diaries or work in the interviews around other commitments. But we have been able to do that. I'm not going to say who those guests are yet because that would spoil the surprise. But what I will say is we've got the topic of SEO covered for the first time, which should be a good, fun interview. And we've got a rather big name from Facebook coming on the show, which I know is always a popular topic. So those are a few of the episodes we've got lined up for the next next few weeks. However, let's not get run away with ourselves just yet because we've got a fantastic episode lined up today. My guest on today's show is Mark Schaefer, who is a globally recognized blogger, speaker, educator, business consultant, and author who has a fantastic blog over at businessesgrow.com. He's the author of three best-selling marketing books, Return on Influence, Born to Blog, and The Dial of Twitter. I hope I've pronounced that right this time because I didn't on the interview itself, which is the best-selling book on Twitter in the world. He is among the world's most recognized social media authorities. He has been a keynote speaker at conferences such as Social Media Week, New Media Expo, and will be speaking at the upcoming Social Media Summit. So there's the official bio intro, but basically you can read from that that Mark is a pretty big deal when it comes to social media and more to the point, how to attract a following, create buzz and influence others online. And that's pretty much the angle we're going to be going deep on in today's interview because I really wanted to get Mark's insights on how not only to attract an audience, 
but also how to influence an audience. Because when you become more influential, more of an authority, you can easily get people to act on your suggestions. You can, of course, build a loyal following who come back repeatedly to take a look at what you offer and read your content. And uh, also when you become more of an influencer and a person of authority, you can charge more as well. So all of these have amazing impact, not just on your online marketing, but your business as a whole. Now, Mark has also written the most popular book on Twitter in the world, as I mentioned. So we also dig deep into Twitter on today's interview and how you can get the best return from that platform. And, and heck, even if it's the right platform for you in the first place, because I'm not always convinced it's the right platform for me personally, but after today's interview, you can make that decision for your own business. As always, coming up later in the show, we have this week's news in traffic, the one minute traffic tip and the traffic jam jam. Now, this week's track is one very close to heart, I guess, for Mark Schaefer, and you'll find out why at the end of the show, because as always, the traffic jam jam plays out the show. So let's keep the preamble short and sweet. Let's end it right. Right there. And now let's get stuck in today's interview with Mark Schaefer. This is feature interview number 18 of Traffic Jam. And joining me in the hot seat today is Mark Schaefer from businessesgrow.com, who is a globally recognized blogger, speaker, and educator, and the author of the books, The Tale of Twitter and Return on Influence. So Mark, welcome to Traffic Jam. I am so delighted to be with you. Well, thank you for joining me today. Let's get this interview off to a flying start with a bit of a <laughs> crunching question to begin the, begin the show with. My guest on episode number four of Traffic Jam, Scott Stratton, said there is no such thing as a hard ROI in social media. Is he right? No. And, and I like Scott very much. And I, <laughs> and I, and I respect Scott. And and I certainly understand his point, but look, I mean, ROI, a return on, in, on investment, is a very simple, straightforward financial calculation. Now, sometimes, obviously, you can figure out a return on investment. I'll give you an example. There's a company here in the United States that created a, uh, a community that uh, featured their uh, customers, their brand advocates. Uh, this community decided to start having live events. They had live events in their stores. And they could track every time they had one of these live events that um, they would triple the sales in that store that day. Okay, now. This is a community that is held together by social media, was created by social media. The events entirely are publicized through social media. There's no advertising expenditures whatsoever. So it's a very easy calculation to say, look, every time we have one of these events created by social media, publicized by social media, we triple sales in the store. Yep. That's ROI. Now, I think the point that Scott was trying to make, and it's a good one, is that what most businesses miss is the qualitative value of social media in addition to the quantitative value. And I think he's right in that most cases, calculating the financial ROI is difficult. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. 
what's the ROI of a, of, a, of a traffic billboard along a highway? Now, that is something that business of, businesses have used, at least in my part of the world, for many, many years. And they've been comfortable with the results of those billboards without finding their, their financial return. So you need to kind of look at social media the same way. Um, I, in my classes, uh, James, I, I give examples of uh, case studies, and I'll ask the students to list all of the benefits they hear from a story that I tell. Yeah. And then I turn to them and I say, now, which of these can fit in an Excel spreadsheet? And all, there, almost none of these benefits can. So I, the point is, look at these tangible, important business benefits like creating impressions, creating awareness, finding a new business partner, finding a new supplier, finding an intern to hire. What's the ROI of that? You could drive yourself crazy trying to calculate it. My point is, don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, fi just find a way to acknowledge the qualitative benefits of social media instead of just the quantitative benefits. Well, let's talk a little bit about quantitative and probably draw attention to something that you speak about in your Return on Influence book, which is the mm -hmm. platform called Clout. Now, I checked mm -hmm. in a couple of days ago on my own profile, and I see my score is, is somewhere in the 50s or, or thereabouts. Yours, of course, is much higher than that. What does this data actually mean? And based on what you have just said a short moment ago, should we actually even care about it? Well, I think that you should. And it's a very controversial topic, and I think that this company, Clout, uh, brings a lot of that controversy needlessly upon themselves. So let's step back a minute and, and see what is this company trying to do. Uh, their website says, we are the standard for influence. Now, are they the standard for influence? No. <laughs> Will they ever be the standard for influence? I doubt it. Can they tell you how influential you are at work? No. At home? No. With your children? No. However, this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to see, they're trying to identify people who can move content and engage an audience on certain topics. So let's say you blog about sports. Let's say you're a cricket fan. And every time you blog about cricket, it ignites. People tweet about your articles. They comment on your articles. Now, say you have a neighbor who also blogs about cricket and nobody pays attention to it. Now, on a relative basis, your clout score should be higher than your neighbor's because you're creating content that is igniting. Now, that is a very small sliver of influence yeah. in the world. And yet, this is very important because you're creating buzz. And a lot of businesses and companies and brands would like to get to know you. Maybe Nike would like to get to know you. Maybe one of the local cricket clubs would like to get to know you because you are an, you're seen as an expert creating content on this topic. So the revolutionary piece of this is we've always known 
that there are highly connected influencers who can help sell our stuff. These are advocates, people in our community who say, you know, uh, I love this product and I'm going to recommend it to all my friends. But how do we find those people? How do we nurture those people? It's almost impossible to do until now. Yeah. Clout and some other companies have created these algorithms that can very quickly and very inexpensively find people who are talking about your products, your companies, your areas of uh, that you're interested in. Is it uh, 100% accurate? No. It's a blunt instrument. But sometimes a blunt instrument is all you need to make progress. I mean, again, the billboard reference, a billboard along a highway uh, is a blunt instrument. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And yet it works really, really well. And, and in a world where traditional means of communication like television, newspapers, radio are dying, marketers are eagerly embracing new ideas like identifying and connecting with these influencers to borrow those powerful communication pipelines to help spread their message. And that's why this is a very significant trend for businesses to understand. So what we're really saying here is, Mark, that it's probably not something that we should care about too much in terms of our own influence, but in terms of reaching out to and identifying influence who could be beneficial in our own marketplace, it's a really useful tool. Well, it depends on your goal. I agree with you that it, in, in, for some businesses and some products, it, it is being used today in some very creative ways. Uh, I think my favorite chapter in the book that I wrote, Return on Influence, is uh, a chapter filled with case studies of how businesses, big businesses, small, even nonprofits and universities, how they're starting to use these tools in very creative ways. So uh, now, on a personal basis, let's say I want to get a job in marketing, sales, PR. Today, the ability to move content online and engage an audience, that could be a very important skill set for some jobs, maybe even in HR, maybe in customer service. So I think, you know, it's an indicator. Mm. You know, it, it, it's, it's like a financial personal credit score. If you have a credit score, that doesn't indicate what you can do with your life. Yeah. It doesn't indicate whether you're going to pay a loan back or not. But it's an indicator of something that is still very useful for businesses to, to see. So basically a clout score to me is a representation of is this somebody who creates conversational content that ignites on the internet? And if, if, that's, if I'm trying to hire somebody that can do that, yeah. I think you'd be foolish not to at least take a look at that score. Well, let's talk about that for a second and talk about it as a skill set. Is it something that is inherent, you know, in certain individuals or is it something that people can actually learn? Like, can you learn to be an influencer online and create buzz? 
Well, that's an excellent question. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've ever been asked that before, James. That's an excellent question. I, I do think that it, it can be acquired and it can be learned. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. In the real world, how do we acquire power and influence? It might be from the university we attended, how much money we have, uh, who even what family we married into. Uh, it might be from a title in an organizational chart. Guess what? On the internet, none of that matters. Mm. Nobody cares. I, James, I don't know what university you went to. I might be able to dig down and find it out. I don't know how. <laughs> I didn't. I, I don't know. You didn't. There okay, you go. Great. Beautiful example. Beautiful example. Here's something I – two-thirds of the way through – when I was writing my book, I realized two-thirds of the way through the book, every case study of a power influencer in my book, James, none of them had a college degree. There you go. And I think that's amazing because in the real world, influence comes through checking boxes. It comes through knowing the right people. It comes through jumping hurdles. So we have a new opportunity now, just as you're doing now. You are creating value through the content of this podcast. You have chosen yourself. You know, you're not waiting for a university degree. You're not waiting for someone to say, oh, you're the anointed one. You're the anointed one. You're choosing yourself and you're saying, I am doing this. I am going to exert my authority and explore how far I can take my influence by creating great content that gets shared. And I think that's a great example. So, you know, here you're, you're a living example of this is that you're creating your own destiny. It doesn't even matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert or techie or non-techie or college graduate or not. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. You, but what you need to do is help people. Yeah. Create create value that informs, entertains, educates and helps people. And that is the the real root of power and influence on the web today. Well, I guess we're talking about a, a couple of things within that i guess there's there's the reach of your audience the the size of it but there's probably mm -hmm. also the the quality or the influence of those people that you're connected with is there mm -hmm. a way to kind of reach out to those influences i may be giving a clue away the fact that i'm interviewing you on this week's episode but <laughs> is there a way to kind of reach out to influence in your market to you know improve the quality of, of your reach if you like that's a really key idea and obviously, you're correct. I mean, that's the way it works in real life, and that's the way it works online as well. And let me give you an example first, I think, of how people are doing it incorrectly. And uh, an example I'll use is I, I had a company call me last week, and uh, if you have seen my blog at all, I write about business, marketing, and kind of the human intersection with mm. social media technology. And that's what I love and that's what I'm passionate about. So a company called me up last week and said, I, I never heard of this person before. And they said, we, uh, I represent this shoe company and I want you to blog about our shoes. <laughs> oh, really? 
Well, who are you? I've never even heard of you before. Well, you know, I'm so-and-so. Well, why should I blog about your shoes? I don't care about your shoes. I don't care about your companies. It's not a, a fashion blog. And so, but this is typical of almost relationships trying to be built on desperation. Mm. You know, this person now all of a sudden has, has woke up one day and realized, oh my gosh, we've got to connect with these powerful online influencers. This is really where the world is going. But business is built on relationships. It's built on trust. It always has been. Always. If you and I were in a live networking meeting, a live business networking meeting, and I came up to you in a live meeting and said, hey, James. On your next podcast, I want you to feature my shoe company. You'd think, what a bizarre, what a bizarre person this is. <laughs> you just don't do that. So if it doesn't make sense in the real world, why would you, you know, do it in the online world too? We still have to build relationships. Now, here's the trick. It, it takes time. It takes patience to build these relationships. We need to support each other. We need to help each other. And there's no guarantee of a payback. There mm. probably will be, but there's no guarantee. And so in a world basically built around advertising budgets where the money goes up and the money goes down and the money goes up and the money goes down, how do we now create programs built on building relationships where the money can't go up and down. The money has to stay the same because we're building relationships and that doesn't go away. So there are challenges here for budgets, for businesses, for ad agencies trying to figure this stuff out uh, because it's a whole new channel. It's a whole new strategy and, uh, and companies are struggling with mm. that. So what would have been the correct approach of that shoe company if indeed their product was aligned with what you talk about mark over at businessesgrow.com well here's here's the the antithesis of this there's a there's a young lady who's been coming onto my blog for 6 months now she leaves a comment on my blog almost every day and she adds some useful value to the community so I'm starting to get to know her. And after she left comments a few times, I clicked on her link and I thought, who is this person? So I thought that I saw that she's a communications, a marketing communications professional in the company. I thought, well, that's interesting. And she starts following me on Twitter and connecting with me on Twitter and she subscribed to my blog. Well, after about six months, she uh, sent me an email. And she said, hey, Mark, I wrote this blog post that I'm really excited about. Can, can you give me some feedback on this? So I looked at the blog post, and honestly, there were some things that were kind of fundamentally wrong with it. So I, I told her, I said, you know, I really don't kind of agree with your approach here. And she said, oh, I, you know, I feel so disheartened now. I said, you know what? You don't need to feel disheartened. Let's have a phone call. Let me help you walk you through this. Mm. Now, let's look what's happening here. She has, has been making an authentic attempt to connect with me as a person, to get to know me, to help me, to support me, to support my blog, to tweet my blog, to leave value through comments. And at some point, 
She's giving, 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 giving. It's okay to ask for help. And when she did, I can't wait to help her. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to not just give her an email feedback. I'm going to say, I'm going to reach out and say, hey, you're a young person that, that could benefit from some coaching here. I'm not going to charge you any money for this. I'm going to do this because this is my opportunity to be authentically helpful. And at some point, her blog post is going to be great. And then I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to support it and maybe even ask her to do a guest post for my blog. Yeah, got it. And that, and that's how the world works. Well, it's no coincidence that you feature, I think, a piece in Return on Influence from Robert Cialdini, who talks about this whole concept of reciprocity. And I guess that's exactly what was at play there. This girl was giving value. She was um, adding to your community. And at the point there where she actually maybe needed some help in return, she'd given that much that you were almost feeling indebted to kind of return a favor. Brilliant point, and that's it. That's exactly reciprocity at work. And reciprocity makes the social web go round. Yeah, I mean, this is it's a constant exchange of favors. Yeah, and uh, it's it's an economy of favors. And when those favors add up, even if it's a Facebook like or a Facebook comment or a comment on a blog post, at some point, if that person comes and asks for a favor back you're going to say yes. Yeah. Mark, let's talk about Twitter for a moment because that's another area where you have real expertise. You've, of course, written a book on it called The Tao of Twitter. Now, myself personally, I'm literally, I'm just not good at Twitter. I've never really experienced any sort of quality payoff in actual business terms. However, if I look at the likes of you and some of the other guests I've had on Traffic Jam, like Scott Stradden and Chris Brogan, you guys have really built strong businesses with Twitter as a driver. Now, with all of the other more sort of long lasting forms of social content, like blogging, podcasting, mm -hmm even Facebook and Google Plus that kind of have a longer lifespan than the 140 character tweets that go out. What's the real benefit of investing so much time in Twitter? Well, let's, let's take a step back and say that I, I think the foundation of your social media presence for almost any business has to be something that I call rich content. It can't just be LinkedIn, Facebook tweets, all right? It has to be something with substance. So that could be a blog, a podcast, uh, a video series, maybe something like ebooks, but generally those three blog, podcast, or video. So you, you have to start there because that's the engine that drives your social media presence. That's the deep content that creates voice of authority and gives you the opportunity for vast exposure. Yep. And that's really what drives a cloud score, right? Is something that's, you know, it's original content that gets attention. If all you do is tweet, that's not going to drive your cloud score. If all you do is post on Facebook, that's not necessarily going to drive your, your influence. Uh, because you're just sending links from other people or something like that. So that is, that's got to be the heart. That's got to be the engine. Now, how does Twitter fit into this? Twitter fits into this in that, number one, I believe it's the fastest and most effective way to build a targeted audience. 
it's very difficult to build an audience on Facebook or even LinkedIn because to connect with someone, they need to connect with you back. Not so on Twitter. There are lots of ways to find relevant, interesting, uh, motivated people who might be interested in your business on Twitter, and then you can go out and follow them. And in my book, uh, you, you mentioned the Tao of Twitter. Some people call it the Tao of Twitter. The Chinese pronunciation is actually the Tao of Twitter. T-A-O is a Chinese word that means path. But in that book, I've got an entire chapter teaching people how to find those people. Mm. So Twitter is kind of like the movie trailer for the movie. That's your blog or your video or your podcast. So it helps you, you know, cast the net, find all those people, start building relationships with those people. And if you do that through Twitter and once in a while you say, hey, I wrote this new blog post. I think you might be interested in this. Then they'll, they'll, they'll click and they'll read your blog post. Now you're starting through Twitter to build your blog audience. Yeah. You're starting to engage with them in a deeper way, in a richer way. They're listening to your podcast. They're watching your videos. Maybe now they're on your website. So they look at the nav bar while they're listening to your podcast and say, oh, what else does this company do? And so that's, that's how it all kind of connects together. Got it, got it. Cool. Well, I wanted to ask you about a specific chapter in your book, which I saw was listed called The Secrets of Influence on Twitter. What are your top tips that you'd allow me to share today on the interview for Traffic Jam listeners in terms of actually creating influence on the platform? Well, I think it's, it's, it's really this simple. The thing that most businesses miss, James, is they um, look at social media as just another place to put their advertising and their press releases. And social media is, a, is an entirely different uh, channel, and we need to treat it differently. People do not go on social media to view your ads or view your press releases. They go on social media to get away from that. They go on social media to play Farmville or to see pictures of funny cats. <laughs> they don't want to see a press release about your new line of ball bearings or a picture of your, of your company president handing a check to a local charity or something like that. That's just not interesting to them. But what people will do, they may not spend any time with your advertising, but they will spend time with people and ideas and content that will help them. Help them make money, save money, have a more interesting life, have a more entertaining life. Um, help them save time or do something in a new way. Uh, help their health, help their self-image. So it, it, and every business is 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 geared toward that in some way, and so um, I, I have a favorite case study of of a medical clinic I work with in my area, and they took one of my classes and they read my books and the and the business manager said, we have got to change, we've got to stop selling, 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 and start helping, helping, helping. Mm. And that's what I call the social media mindset. 
it, you know, creating this mindset. And if you can embrace that and you can adopt that and, and, and have a strategy of creating content that truly is helpful, then that is the key to really winning in this space, creating influence in this space, creating real advocates and loyalty in this space. And Mark, does the same apply to blogging? I mean, go over at um, businessgrow.com, your blog there. It gets mm-hmm. a huge amount of interaction. I mean, I'm seeing, you know, hundreds of, you know, shares and retweets mm-hmm. and, and you know, dozens of comments on each post, whereas most businesses really struggle to get any form of interaction going on their blog at all, if anything. Is that mm-hmm. your secret there as well? I mean, literally, it's all about creating value for people and helping rather than, you know, as probably most businesses are doing, trying to sell their latest product or, or the picture yeah. of the, you know, the the company uh, director cutting the ribbon it's, it's again is that it i mean that's we see a lot of that right <laughs> that's exactly that's ex- exactly it i mean i'm trying to think back to the last time i tried to actually even sell anything on my blog and i i would say uh it was probably uh at least 5 months ago uh i had a new book come out called born to blog so i wrote a blog post saying hey I have a new book. You might like to read it. I think it's really good. I think it's really interesting. Uh, you might enjoy it. Now, that's as close to selling something as I've gotten on my blog uh, for the entire year of 2013. Now, it seems might seem strange to people that I'm spending all this time giving away my ideas, giving away my advice on this blog, spending time in the comments section, engaging with people, helping people. If someone's really struggling, I'll say, let's get off the comment section. Go ahead and give me a call and see if I can help you with this problem. But what happens is people get to know me and they trust me. And uh, a few months ago, I got a call from a, a gigantic company here in America. And they said, we're having a, a national sales conference and we want you to be our guest speaker. And we're going to, you know, you a good sum of money to do this. And I said, if you don't mind me asking, why me? How did you find me? And they said, oh, well, our executive vice president is a huge fan of your blog. Nice. There you go. Fantastic. There you go. That's how, and, and that's how it works. You know, you, I'm building a presence. I'm building a brand. I'm building a voice of authority. Now, if that uh, vice, executive vice president came to my blog every day, and on my blog, I said, here's my newest product. Now it comes in lemon-scented. Uh, here is my, here's my latest donation to the local charity. Here's a picture of me cutting the ribbon. Is, is he going to keep coming back to my blog? I'm not writing a blog. I'm running an infomercial. An yeah. infomercial. It's, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a long series of advertisements. I'm not being helpful. I'm not being compelling. I'm not being interesting. And so it is really difficult to, to make that transition to say, I'm going to stop selling. I'm going to start helping. It's scary. Yeah. Because as, as business people, we've been conditioned to sell. And if we're scared because if the selling stops, the sales are going to stop. And I mean, you still need to have salespeople. 
you still need to service your customers. But as far as a, 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 another way to angle your marketing, this really works. I've seen it work with dozens, probably hundreds of my customers and my students. So uh, I, I know it works. Yeah. It's interesting. I had uh, Joe Polizzi on the show, I think, a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago, and we had a we had a conversation around a very sort of similar line of topic where we spoke about how business owners become almost afraid of sharing and helping because they almost feel like they're actually going to give away their secret source or their special knowledge by actually trying to help people <laughs> rather than first sure. selling them, selling the, the product or service and then offering the help. Yeah. But it's counterintuitive. It actually works in the opposite way, doesn't it? It does. And, and one of the examples I use is I've written well over a thousand blog posts. And I think the last I looked, I think I'd written about 90 different blog posts about blogging, best practices, ideas, how-tos. Now, you could go onto my blog and you could click on the category of blogging best practices and read those blog posts for a couple hours and have a pretty good idea of how to start your blog and what to do. And yet people still buy my blogging book. <laughs> they still call me every day saying, can you help me with my blog? Can, you, can I hire you to, to be a coach to help me get through this early time when I'm starting this blog to help me get it started in the right direction? Now, and so it is counterintuitive. I, I've shared all my secrets. I don't hold anything back. I'm going to help people and share as much advice and, and helpful content as I possibly can. It's all out there if you look hard enough for it. But people don't want to look for it. They want me. Yeah. They still want me. They want to talk to me about their specific idea, their specific problem. And I'm happy to do that. So it, it, it seems counterintuitive, but it actually works really well. Well, Mark, let's end on that point because your information today has indeed been hugely helpful. I'm sure our listeners tuning in right now would have got a huge amount out of today's session. But I don't want to leave it just as a great interview, which it has been. I'd like to ensure that our listener out there has some actionable thing to, to walk away from today's session with. What one piece of advice that our listener can go and perhaps implement in the next 24 hours can you give to us today? Well... If you're really struggling with how to get started with social media, the best thing to do, I think, is to start with my book, The, the Tao of Twitter, T-A-O, because it talks about this path, this framework of how to get your business ready to succeed. You can read it in 90 minutes. I think it costs eight American dollars on Amazon, something like that. It's incredibly cheap. But that, for many businesses, that turns things around. That really gets people started in the right direction. Uh, and I think that is the, the, the best action a, a new business or someone who's struggling with this could take to kind of get pointed in the right direction. 
Well, guys, if you're listening to this episode on iTunes or your media player, head on over to trafficjamcast.com and you'll find a link to that resource in the show notes, as well as a link off to Mark's website, businessesgrow.com. Mark, you've been a fantastic guest. You've been generous with your time. Thank you so much. My pleasure. This week's news in traffic. Well, I'm really glad to say that Facebook have updated their page guidelines to now allow contests and sweepstakes on Facebook pages. Now, for a long time, a page owner had to use a separate tool or even host their contest elsewhere, such as perhaps on their website or their blog or otherwise risk having their Facebook account shut down. Now, of course, when hosting contests on external tools or sites, it did limit how successful the contest could be. However, from now on, you can run contests on your page itself and even use the share, comment and like features as part of your contest. Now, this is something I personally will be trying out as part of my own Facebook campaign in the next few weeks. And I'll make sure that after doing that, I report back the results to you here on Traffic Jam. Google Plus have confirmed that they're going HD with Hangouts. Over the coming weeks, they'll be rolling out high definition to Hangouts on air initially and then to all desktop Hangout video calls over the next few weeks. Now, my eyes have really been opened up to the possibilities that Google Hangouts hold for us marketers. Things like informal Q&A sessions, online seminars, product demos, they're all possible with Google Hangouts. Now, if you'd like to get more ideas for yourself on how you can use Hangouts in your own business, then I'd recommend you go check out episode number 10 of Traffic Jam, which was with Chris Brogan. And lastly, in what is quite a short news roundup this week, Google and the Hershey Chocolate Company have announced a co-branding deal. In an about turn from Google, they have named their brand new Android operating system KitKat and not Key Lime Pie as expected. With the naming of the new operating system, Google and Hershey have announced a co-branded deal whereby the new Android operating system will be marketed on KitKat chocolate bars and vice versa. Now, reportedly, there was no cash exchange between the parties for this agreement. The one minute traffic tip. Okay, so I've got a super simple and really quick to implement tip this week for generating cross-promotional traffic by using your email footer. Now, in the case of my business, I've got my email contacts divided up within my database according to the news that they're subscribed to and the products and services that they purchased. Now, in my particular business, that's really in two categories. Those people that are interested in Google AdWords updates from my ClickJam pay-per-click management agency and those that are interested in SEO updates from SEO Sherpa. Now, whilst I ensure that those people that are subscribed to the list only get the updates they've requested, it is also true that someone that's interested in Google AdWords news would also be interested in SEO news as well. So everyone getting that Google AdWords news update will see in the email footer a little PS which says to get SEO news to click 
here. And by clicking on that link, they are then subscribed to my email database for SEO updates. Now, all of this can be managed within your email management system. For a system like Aweber or MailChimp, you'll have to get people to opt in and subscribe again. However, with a software system like Infusionsoft or Office Autopilot, just by clicking on that link within the email, you can have them subscribe to other sequences, have tags added to them, or subscribe to an entirely different list. Now, this PS section is really a very simple way to inform your customers and prospects about the other products and services that you offer. So it doesn't need to be intricate. You don't need them to be subscribed to other email lists. You can simply use those links or a banner placed in the PS section to promote other stuff you've got going on. So my task for you this week is to get creative with your PS section. Find another product, service or event you want to promote in your business and then add that to your email autoresponder sequence or the broadcast you have coming up this week. I'd love to see how you get on with this. So once you've gotten some results, post them over at trafficjamcast.com beneath episode 18 and let's see who's come up with the most creative idea for their PS section. That rounds out episode number 18. I'll be back next week with another episode of Traffic Jam, so stay tuned for that. If you've enjoyed this episode, please log into iTunes and leave the show a review and rating. I'll more than likely read that out on next week's show. You can, of course, leave a comment and feedback over at Traffic Jam Cast as well. That's trafficjamcast.com. You can do that by leaving a comment beneath the episode itself or hitting the leave a voicemail message link at the base of the site. Now, also this week, go check out the traffic training and tips over at veravo.com. That's V-E-R-A-V-O.com. I've got a post this week with a tip on how to speed up your SEO results. And I've also got my reaction to a controversial video ad banned by Google from the Australian sex party. Now, in that ad appears numerous censored references to the F word. So you probably get a good idea on the type of advert that may be, but it's clever advertising none the least. I'll leave it up to you to decide whether Google made the right decision to ban it. That's all over at bravo.com. Playing out this episode of Traffic Jam is a track called Waking Up Weird by the Royal Bangs. It is, of course, picked by my guest today, Mark Schaefer. And the reason it's so special to him is that the Royal Bangs are his son's band. To play out the show, The Royal Bangs, featuring Ryan Schaefer, son of Mark Schaefer, Waking Up Weird.
been listening to the Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.